Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talked to Nicholas Jones of the Manitoba Moose as they've held down the fort. A lot of roster changes in the last few weeks, but they're 7-2-1 in January. Pretty good stuff. Also, we talked to Rob Gale, former Valor FC head coach and GM. Spent a lot of time with Canada's national program because our men's soccer team could qualify for the World Cup for the first time since the 80s. They've got three big qualifier matches coming up in the next week, so we'll preview the action on the podcast. Let's turn our attention to the AHL now. We know how much roster fluctuation the Winnipeg Jets have had to endure over the past month. Well, that's had a big impact on the Manitoba Moose as well. Players coming and going to the NHL, to the taxi squad, to the COVID list. It's been tough, but the team has remained positive and they've been enjoying success on the ice. They're 7-2-1 in January, including a recent weekend sweep of the first place Chicago Wolves. And one of the players holding down the fort is forward Nicholas Jones, who I caught up with after practice earlier today. How does it feel right now to be a pro hockey player in the middle of January, in the middle of a pandemic? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, we don't have fans right now, but I'm fortunate just to be playing hockey right now. Um, you know, everybody's everybody's um, restricted in some way, and we're just fortunate to play hockey. So, um, you know, to get that opportunity is great. So this season with the Manitoba Moose, there's been a lot of players coming and going with the taxi squad, with the Winnipeg Jets having COVID issues. What's it been like holding down the fort with all those roster changes all season? Yeah, we've had, um, I mean, we've had, yeah, it's the most uh, turnover I've seen in a roster for sure. But um, we've had some some really good players come up and do really good, uh, play really well for us. Some some great goaltending. you know, we've just kind of we've tried to keep the culture that we we uh, you know developed at the start of the year and uh, sustained that throughout this whole um, pandemic, I guess, and uh, all the moving parts that come with it. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's we've done a pretty good job so far with uh, you know all the movement we've had in the roster. How would you characterize your season so far? Oh, it's been good. Um, you know, I mean. I think uh, I could say that, but most almost everyone on our team, you know, when, our, when the team's playing well, um, obviously all the individuals are doing their part to help the team win. Um, you know, we've you know we're we're second right now in our division, so um, you know for every for all the things, all the players we've lost, I think uh, you know to be in this this position at this point of the season is a pretty good accomplishment. Yeah, second in the division, fifth overall in the league in terms of points percentage. How would you? Describe Mark Morrison as a coach, first year on the job with the Moose. Yeah, we love Mo. Uh, Mo's been great for us. He's, um, you know, he's um, he uh, he's came in. Uh, Pazzy was great for us last year. Uh, Mo's came in and done a great job with, uh, you know, I mean, obviously he has a difficult job with so many moving players like we just talked about. But, um, you know, he's he's provided a structure for us. But I think a, a lot of he's let, he's let us play. Um you know, he's, he's let the guys in the in the locker room, um, you know, dictate uh, a little bit of the culture that we have in there. And um, but, uh, you know, he's put a system in place and, uh, you know, he's let the, he's let the guys in the, in the locker room do, do their thing. And, uh, you know, he lets us play our game. And uh, I think uh, it's not, not much more you can ask from a coach. So you've heard of him as Mo. Does anyone call him Mark or is it all Mo? Uh, yeah, no, I've never heard Mark. So, Mo. Okay. What do people call yeah. you, Jonesy? Yeah, Jonesy. Yeah. Have you ever watched Letterkenny? Uh, I mean, I've seen it, but okay. no, I, okay. I, I know of it. I've never. 
Okay. Well, there's a Jonesy on there. But anyway, it, that's just a, a hockey nickname thing, I guess. It's either you're, you put a Y on the last name or you shorten the last name, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's not too creative. Yeah, Y sometimes an ER at the end. Uh, yeah, for, it's, it's pretty simple. So your time with the Manitoba Moose then, it's been kind of odd because you, you started last season, played this season. You've had fans for just a small portion of it. What's the difference between playing in front of nobody and playing in front of human people at Canada Life Center? Yeah, I think you get used to it. Uh, last year, um, last year we got used to it. Um, playing with no fans, it just became routine. But um, but from start of the year with having fans and you know playing in the states where there's you know we've had some good crowds lately and uh, Grand Rapids and Texas and um, to come back and not have fans. A little weird this weekend. Obviously, uh, you know it's 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 a lot better with fans for sure, but um, not much we can do right now. So, do you find yourself performing differently on the road just because there are people in the building? I wouldn't say my personal performance is different. Um, I mean, you you can feel a little bit more of a buzz, especially um, playing on the road when the when the road team pl- plays well or starts, you know, or when their team plays well and you know the fans are going a little bit or a fight or something, you know, it creates a little bit more, um, uh, just even in just a, a environmental, the environment on the ice kind of changes a little bit, but I mean, I don't think it's hurt in an individual play. It's just, um, maybe it plays a little bit more intensive to the game. This past weekend, you got two wins over Chicago. Who's in first place in the division. How big were those wins for your squad? Yeah, it was, uh, those were two, two huge wins. I think, and this weekend had been the most depleted we've been um, thus far. Um, if you look at the roster we had uh, in those two games relative to the first 15 games of the season, um, you know, it's, it's not, uh, it's, it's, uh, there's not too many names that would, that would have been, in, would have been in the beginning of the year. So um, to, to come out with two wins against a top team like that, who had a lot of great players in the lineup, um, you know, shows, uh, shows a lot to the, to the coaching staff, to the players, to all the players that the, have came up and done such a good job. Um, our goaltender, our goaltending has been uh, amazing for the last month. So, um, you know, credit to everyone. And how about Nelson Noje, who in his AHL career had five goals in 232 games and never had more than two goals in a season, gets two goals on Sunday. Yeah, no, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't um, picture anyone else, anyone else would be more happy for um you know that's that's uh you know that's a guy has uh, done everything he's been asked to do this year. Played forward, played defense. Um, you know he's he's been a, a leader in our locker room, and for um, for him to get those two goals, I, you know, I, if you were to look at the bench when he scored, I think um, you know every single person there is, is so happy for him and uh, for him to contribute like that was huge for us. So when you're not at the rink, we're not playing hockey, traveling. What do you do to pass the time? Um, <laughs> we got a we got a good group of guys that will hang out. So, um, I got um, I got my girlfriend here as well. Um, not, not too much. No, I'm not getting outside too much these days. And but uh, you know, we, we hang out with the guys. Um, it's nice to get in the road too and hang out with the guys. Uh, we go on pretty you know two week road trips. Then we're home for three weeks and kind of back and forth it's, it keeps um keeps things a little bit interesting that way so you don't get bored at home no i i, I mean i enjoy it uh i find things to do around here 
Video games, Netflix. What's the? No, what do you do? Uh, Netflix, Netflix. Uh, learn, learn Russian right now. Actually, learn Russian. <laughs> Russian, yeah. So trying to do that. Uh, Netflix, yeah. Not uh, much. Uh, not much else. What's the desire behind learning Russian? Uh, just my uh, my girlfriend's uh, family okay. and you know, first language is Russian. So. Okay. So how's that going? That's good. It's tough. It's not an easy language. <laughs> it's uh, it's difficult. Uh, it's different. I'm, uh, actually, I'm learning the alphabet right now. It's uh, I've learned a lot of the word, like a lot of words and stuff. But learning the Cyrillic is a it's a different language. It's a different, uh, it's a lot different than uh, English for sure. So is she teaching you, or are you doing something online? Yeah, what? she's she is. Okay. Yeah. Is, are you a good student? I'm a great student. Yeah. Okay. Hardworking. <laughs> That's good. Well, Nicholas, appreciate your time today. Thanks for this, and uh, best of luck with the rest of the season and learning Russian. All right. Thanks a lot. Tomorrow night, Ian Honduras, giant match for Canada's men's soccer team as they look to qualify for the World Cup for the first time since the 80s, and that was the only time they've ever done it. Can they get it done without their best player, Alfonso Davies? Recovering from getting COVID-19. Let's talk about it now with Rob Gale, who's coached under 16 and under 20 teams for Canada's national squad, former coach and GM of Valorisy as well. Rob, how are you doing? Christian, I'm well, thank you. How are you? Good. Before we get started here, I have to ask you, you posted a video of you <laughs> diving or like walking on a pool, frozen pool in your backyard. What What's going on there? <laughs> A little joke between me and the former Pacific coach each year. He uh, goes out in Victoria when they get a tiny bit of snow, parades around in his uh, speedos and thinks he's a tough guy. So I have to show him each year that the real cold and snow is not out on the West Coast there, but uh, here in the prairies and making sure he knows that we're made of stronger stuff. Yes, January 12th on your Twitter account. It's you basically uh, just uh, snow angeling in a pool in the backyard full of snow. How cold was it that day? Do you remember? <laughs> it wasn't pleasant. I think last year it was worse. And I actually tried doing some backstroke last year and it scratched up me back this year. I just did a, a tidy snow angel in the pool and the, the snow was a bit deeper. <laughs> and once the camera's off, you sprinted back inside, right? Oh, man, I was squealing. Yeah. yeah <laughs> My course. daughter found it highly entertaining. Of course, that's awesome. So uh, let's talk about the, these soccer matches coming up. It's three games in a very quick order, the 27th, 30th, and the 2nd. Are these among the biggest games Canada's national team has ever played? Yeah, 100%. Uh, if you consider that we've only ever qualified for one World Cup back in 1986, and even your your Cup sort of tournaments and, and your gold cups don't compare to qualifying for a world cup with the the exposure and the money at stake these days in modern football so i think you have to consider it probably outside of those world cup games the the biggest games in our history on on the male side and without alfonso davies what is the prospect for canada in these games they're at honduras tomorrow they host the u.s in hamilton on the 30th and then they're in el salvador on february 2nd yeah, I mean, honestly, really good. We've gone eight games unbeaten. There's six to go. Um, you know, as all Canadian fans have, have gone through, Honduras has been a bogey side for us over the years, including that terrible result uh, back when we got hammered 8-1 and 
Stephen Hart was on the brunt end of that, but um, when we looked poised to, to at least make it to the hex, but this new octagonal format, playing everybody twice, we're, we're in a great position. And yes, Alfonso is a loss, but we do have strengths and depth. And to be fair, the other CONCACAF nations are not as strong as they have been either. So coupled with us being probably the best group we've ever had, um, I still think we're in a fantastic position and stand a great chance of getting a result in Honduras tomorrow night. Canada right now, first in CONCACAF 13 uh, goals for and only five against in eight matches, as you mentioned, unbeaten. Four wins, four draws. are at 16 points. The U.S. right behind them at 15. Then Mexico, Panama at 14. El Salvador has six. Honduras, three. So these are games that Canada should definitely not lose, right? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, we're actually disappointed to go back to September last year and the tie against Honduras. We We probably should have won. Um, and we beat El Salvador at home. So uh, we know the U.S. is going to be a tough game, but then we also tied them away. So we're in good position. I don't think the lads I've coached most of them fear anybody in CONCAF now. We respect other teams, but we, we don't have a fear going in, and there's a genuine belief and I think hunger to do something special for the country. Now that game against the U.S., obviously anytime Canada faces the U.S. in any sport... It's a big deal to do it. Potentially, that could be the clinching game, depending on how things go. It's in Hamilton at the end of January. <laughs> Is this going to be like the coldest potential soccer game that we've had? It's it's the middle of winter. Yeah, I think probably yeah, it'll, it'll do well to beat the uh, November Edmonton game because that was freezing. And that was, yeah. We christened that the ice tecker. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a reason for that as well, right? And typically over the years, Canada has always had welcoming environments for opposition, so we say, and in places where there's large immigrant populations that support the away team, and it hasn't felt like home games. And we've wisened up, and uh, we did a lot of work behind the scenes on, on what we needed to do to conquer the opposition rather than get conquer ourselves. And I think playing in colder temperatures playing in front of partisan home crowds is part of that. So um, although a lot of our guys are playing in Europe, um, it, it's going to be it's gonna be tough for any opposition coming in and playing. And for those who are curious about the, the fans that will be allowed to watch that game in Hamilton because uh, hockey games, no one's allowed to go. Canada Soccer confirmed uh, a week or so ago that it would be 12,000 people still allowed to go to that game. It's outdoors, different rules. So you're going to have some real diehard fans there, Rob, because if you're paying to go in a pandemic, in the cold, that means you want to be there big time. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame, really, because there's 50% capacity now and they'd already sold the allocation in record time. And I know lots of people who were heading there who've had to cancel plans and ended up having to rebook tickets after they all went back on sale. So, yeah, there's a lot of hardcore fans out there now. There's a lot of people paying interest because... Uh, really for the first time in, in probably most soccer fans' lifetimes or, or they can remember, we, we, we've we got a chance of going to a World Cup. So there's a lot of excitement around the uh, men's team right now. Being a part of Canada soccer and, and soccer in this country for a long time, Rob, do you ever have to take a moment to kind of shake your head and realize, oh my God, this, this, this is going to be happening soon. Canada's going to play in a World Cup this year. Probably. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we... 
being in it and having worked with these boys and, and gone to youth world cups with them and, and qualifying, we always had that mentality. And it was a lot of, you know, internal discussions about how we build that winning mentality and, and convince the players that it wasn't a pipe dream. And they, they've had that for a long time, a lot of these lads. So I'm, I'm excited for it and, and just pleased that they're, they're realizing their potential and it's come at a good time when, you know, Panama, Honduras, El Salvador, Mexico, Costa Rica. There's a lot of rebuilding and teams that have aged out over the last few years have gone through their golden generation. So it, it's a perfect storm for us now. And hopefully uh, the guys can get across the line and, and not wait to 2026 because uh, it will be such a boon financially and, and for popularity of the game in the country, which is only good for everybody involved. Well, and the fact that Canada's going to be part of the hosting in 2026, I think they're going to get in anyway. But to have this experience, to be able to play in it in 2022, have that experience for a lot of the players so that their first World Cup isn't the one at home, they're going to have one in the books already, that should only help them going forward, right? No, absolutely. We always used to say at the youth level, you know, you need to qualify these events because they're staging posts and players can measure themselves up and learn what it takes to be successful at those levels. And if you never reach those levels, you don't know. So if we can get through this experience now, uh, learn from it, I think they'll also feel, you know, with our FIFA World Ranking now, that we can go there and have a, have a successful campaign, maybe get out of a group stage, and then anything can happen in the knockout stage. So I think um, it's very important, and it will be huge for us if we can get to a World Cup before... Um, you know, we host that one in 2026. You're spot on. Will it be ever uh, settling into your mind that the World Cup this year is going to be in November and December? Or will that always be weird? <laughs> I mean, it's weird because right now, of course, um, you know, even having qualifiers in, in January is very strange. And a FIFA break, usually this would be a friendly window and you wouldn't be having competitive games until March so the calendar is going to be out of whack it's going to affect you know I'm a big English Premier League fan and uh, it's going to affect that schedule so it's something that we're all going to have to get used to and um, it will be real interesting how it plays out no doubt about it a couple other questions before I let you go uh, Bev Priestman was nominated for FIFA coach of the year didn't win it Stephanie LeBay was nominated for best goalkeeper of the year didn't win it am I biased looking at this from a Canadian point of view, thinking they got hosed or were there people that won actually deserving? Um, I wouldn't say that the people that won weren't deserving, but I think for sure Beverly Priestman having come in and I just had the privilege of working with the women's squad down in Mexico in November and working with Bev and her staff and the players. And they're doing a fantastic job. She's done a great job since she took over really in a bit of turmoil with uh, Kenneth leaving last January and to take him to the Olympic gold medal was unbelievable. So for me, I think uh, it's happened before with Christine Sinclair not winning when, you know, she probably should have. And Canada doesn't always get the respect it deserves, you know, there's that elitism around European football and the Barcelona teams and, and, uh, those European nations and, and, and the kind of women's Premier League in England is getting all the the kudos right now. And I think that, that was a detriment to the results. And, and it's also due to, you know, the people who are voting and that kind of 
media and, and coverage and bias that there is towards uh, Canadian soccer. So, I mean, it's great that they got nominated, but I agree with you. I think um, it's hard to say that, you know, they weren't the most deserving when they're Olympic gold medalists. And I was going to ask you as well, uh, what have you been up to the last few months? Yeah, uh, been working a bit with the uh, national team and um, went back to the UK, had a couple of trips to Mexico. I'm off to New York in uh, the following weekend here. So lots of uh, interesting projects and uh, different opportunities for myself in uh, in world football, which is always fun. Well, Rob, appreciate your time as always. Nice to check, check in with you and we'll see you in, uh, in a week or so if Canada can get this done. Yeah, Alain LaRouge. Good man, Christian. Thanks as always. All right, cheers. That's Rob Gale. He is, well, a go-to soccer brain here in Winnipeg. Knows his stuff. Part of the Canadian national program, under 16, under 20 coach, and helps get Valor FC off the ground as well. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course, that is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places, I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect.